What is God asking of you? What is he asking of all of us? That's the question we're talking about today. I was so close to titling this episode, Must Every Catholic Evangelize? Or What God Demands of You. But demand was such a strong word that they didn't want to do that. Um, but I do, I'm, I, I was thinking about that and wondering, is there something that God demands of us? And I think we know there, there's some things like he demands, if we want to be in relationship with him, he demands certain things. We're free to not do those things, but we're not free to do those things uh, and still be in a loving relationship, a right relationship with him. Those are, of course, things like uh, abiding by the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes and living according to the model set forth for us by Jesus and participating in the life of the church. But what is what are some of the things that looks like? And you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, that we are all about evangelization and we want to spread the message that Jesus and the church are crystal clear. We exist to evangelize. And this has not been a part of our heritage recently, although if we go back to the very beginning of the church, it was clear. It was the job of every Christian to evangelize and to spread the word. And I want to, that's why, why Justin and I are doing this. We want everybody to reclaim that heritage and to take up that mission again. So that's what we're talking about today. What is God asking of you? And the answer, my friends, the Lord has already told us, the church has already told us, amongst other things like loving God and loving neighbor, the church is asking you, God is asking you to evangelize. What I mean by that, he is asking you to draw near to people, to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, that saving message that we had sinned and rejected God, but he sent his son to save us, to restore that relationship so that we could have new life in the Father through the Son. That's what proclaiming the gospel is. And then if people accept it, amazing, hallelujah. If they don't, then we continue to be their friend and love them. So why, like, how, how can we be so certain that this is the case? Like, what if I'm wrong? What if, what if this isn't? I, like, the church could not be any more clear on this. I mean, from, from the last words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel, Matthew 28, go make disciples of the whole world, baptizing them and teaching them everything I've commanded you. Um, and then you start looking at recent documents. So we quote these all the time, but especially uh, Paul VI in Evangelii Nunciandi, or in Proclaiming Announcing the Gospel. I think that's what that Latin means. I could be wrong. And in there, very clearly early on in the encyclical, he says, the church exists to evangelize. Now, somebody might say, well, he was Pope a long time ago. What about more recent popes? Well, let's move on. John Paul II, echoing the words of Paul VI in his 1990 encyclical, Redemptoris Missio, he iterated, reiterated, that the missionary thrust, therefore, belongs to the very nature of the Christian life. Notice he didn't say the church, but the Christian life. That's the life that we all live. Uh, the church cannot do other than proclaim the gospel. And we dare to say that if we don't evangelize, we have failed to grasp what it means to be Christian. And you could say this is a little bit like if you wanted to be a salesperson for a company, yet you didn't actually want to sell that product, you wouldn't grasp what your job was about. That's what being Christian is about. We, I mean, we do other things. We love each other. We live in community. We worship. We pray. We fellowship. Uh, we love God. But we also love our neighbor by proclaiming to them the good news. So how about Pope Benedict after John Paul II? Here we go. So Benedict XVI in Ubicumque et Semper. In the opening paragraph, he says, the mission of evangelization is necessary for the church. It cannot be overlooked. It is an expression of her very nature. And then right on down to our current Holy Father, Pope Francis, who has been loud and clear about this. This is in Evangelii Gaudium, paragraph 15. Uh, he's actually citing Redemptoris Missio from John Paul II. There must be no lessening of the impetus to preach the gospel, 
this is the first task of the church. And Justin and I both think that one of the reasons the church is in bad condition today is because we have forgotten the first task of the church. If the first task is evangelization, that's usually the last thing on our list. We're thinking about all sorts of other things. We need to make that the first task again. And when it's the first task of a huge number of Catholics, then we will see the new springtime in the church that John Paul II talked about. So are there other documents? Yeah, the Directory for Catechesis, which is newly released just over a year ago, was very, very clear on this. Uh, They even have this line in the intro. It's very, very strong. There's no alibi for somebody to not evangelize. It's just such a clear thing. Um, You could even look at a USCCB document, Living as Missionary Disciples, as a guide for every Catholic to go out there and live as missionary disciples as the Pope's have asked us as the church has asked us. I want to give a little example of how, uh, what happens when some people take this seriously. And you'll just see by the response of the people in in this parish that they're doing the right thing. I think it's going to resonate with you. So in the, I was rereading Sherry Waddell's Forming Intentional Disciples, which is a great book. It's a classic. I think everybody should read it and reread it. Uh, But she talked about a parish that was in the Northeast that had traditionally been for an ethnic population of Europeans who had come to the area, but then they had moved out. And a new group of immigrants had moved in who did not speak English as their primary language and definitely did not speak the language of that original European group. So even though their identity was very different, they decided to start learning Chinese because that was the majority language spoken by many of the immigrants. They took it that seriously that they said, if we're going to proclaim the gospel, we have to learn the language of these people so that we can start sharing this with them. And I I would imagine that just resonates with you like it does with me. Like what love that they would go. I mean, Chinese is a hard language to learn. It's listed as one of the most difficult languages to learn for a native English speaker. And they were willing to do it. They said, "Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to. I'm not going to hold back because it was the love of the, the love of Jesus and the love of neighbor that compelled them to do that." So, what if we took it that seriously? Now, it it probably doesn't mean that we're going to learn Chinese because there's another language or another way that you can become facile in working with people. So maybe it's learning the language of listening, or maybe it's learning the language of millennials, of Gen Z, or even an older generation. There's a, in in my diocese, there's a very large community that is filled with, I think it's even deed restricted. You can't live there unless you're above 55. And those people still deserve to have the gospel proclaimed to them. And so wherever we find ourselves and whoever we're surrounded by, that tells us how we need to adapt and change to spread the gospel. So what is your apostolate? The the word apostolate means sent. Where have you been sent? What is the Lord asking you to do? So one of the recent episodes we did was on discernment and Uh, listening to the Lord. So if you haven't listened to that and you don't know what your apostolate is, you don't know what your personal mission is that the Lord has given you, I highly recommend that after this, you go back and you listen to that and then take some time to pray. That's our call to action for today. Pray and ask the Lord, where are you sending me? And then say with, uh, with the saints, here I am, Lord, send me. Say, I'm ready to go. Now, here's some questions you can ask yourself to understand a little bit better where the Lord might be asking you to go. And the world is filled with opportunities. All we have to do is start opening our eyes to them and be prepared to take advantage of them. So first question, what are your talents and interests? Is there something that you have time for and that you've wanted to do for a long time? Do you want to join a jujitsu gym? Do you want to take up boxing? Do you want to take up CrossFit, wrestling? Do you want to 
take up sewing? Do you want to learn a new craft? Do you want to learn how to paint, how to draw? And the reason I bring this up is you are going to become friends with the people who are there and they're local to you because they're driving distance to that opportunity. So you're already going to have the opportunity to make friends with somebody who you can spend time with. I would say don't hesitate to to try something new. And assuming you have time, um, just find ways to deepen or strengthen your interests and uh, see this as part of your offering to the Lord. The Lord has asked you to, he's asked you and me to evangelize. And that means we have to be in relationship with people because we can't ev- evangelize in a vacuum. And we can go out on social media and we can start posting things. But I think we all know that's not what we're really called to. Like you might do that, but you're also going to do other things. Specifically, you're going to be in relationship with people. You're going to learn to love your neighbor. And then when the opportunity arises, you will share the story of Jesus with them. So then what do you have time for? Um, you know, I, I listed some things. You might not have time for those. Like if you have a bunch of small kids that you're trying to get to, to school on a regular basis, or you're homeschooling, doing, you know, that, that's probably not for you. But there's something that is. Maybe it's a, a reader's group that you can go to in the evenings. Uh, maybe it's something you could trade off with your spouse with. Um, kind of along those same lines, maybe there's parts of your schedule that are holding you back from doing this thing that the, that the Lord has asked us to do. So are there hobbies where uh, you are, you're not evangelizing and you really can't evangelize for whatever reason, um, because it, it's just not a conducive hobby or activity to evangelization that you could sunset or you could just set to the side for a while and say, you know what, this is a good thing. I recognize that. But the Lord asks us to sacrifice some good things for the greater good, for the good of the kingdom. Uh, now, I'm not, I'm not telling you you have to do that. I'm just saying if you find you have no time to do this thing that is fundamental, the first task of the church, I think we really need to look at our lives and, and ask serious questions. Why have I ordered my life in such a way that I can't do what the Lord has asked me to do? Uh, if, I mean, if there were other things, like if we couldn't go to Mass, if we couldn't uh, practice virtue, if we couldn't spend time with our family, we'd say, this is wrong. I'm not living an ordered life. And if this is the first task of the church, maybe it means we're not living an ordered life, if a well-ordered life, if we don't have time to evangelize. Um, and again, I'm not accusing you of this. I'm just saying these are questions that are, that are healthy for us to ask ourselves. Next question, what is the low-hanging fruit? Are there relationships already around you that you can deepen? Are there people who you that are kind of on the peripheries of friendship that you could just invite into deeper into deeper relationships, spend some time with? Um, to me, like one of the easiest things is just neighbors, the people who live next door to you. If you, I mean, the people on your street, the people in your neighborhood, the people closest to you. Can you open your home to them on a regular basis? Now, like, don't do this if it's not safe. But if there are people who uh, are just like, I guarantee you there's people who are probably a hundred yards from you who are lonely. I'm thinking of my own neighborhood. There's two widows within 40 yards of my house and they would probably love to come over and spend time with my family. And then there's, there's another family with young kids and actually there's multiple families with young kids around me and they would probably love to have uh, somebody for their kids to play with and just an opportunity to spend time with other adults. So you know, this probably means that I'd have to sacrifice some of my evening time and maybe I'm not getting the TV watching it or maybe I'm not watching uh, sports or surfing on the internet like I would like to. But I, I think we know at the end of the day what's gonna, uh, what we are going to be happy about doing for the Lord. Uh, and leisure is important. Uh, I don't want to take that away. And, and when we're hosting, we're not in leisure mode. 
Um, but just something to consider. Um, some other things, uh, how else can you build relationships? Um, so if you're going to take up a new hobby, you might not want to do something that you're, you're spending a lot of solo time with alone. So, um, I did distance running for a while. And one of the things I realized was it was very difficult to even spend time with my wife with that hobby because we ran at different pace, paces and different distances. And, uh, that one was not actually conducive to, uh, to, fostering good relationships. Now, eventually I, I found some buddies that I, that I trained for a marathon with and um, we did grow closer together. But the thing is, I mean, it was just, it was a huge time commitment and that's probably not where I would go. Although if it's something you love and you're already there and you already have friends in that space, then go for it, do it. Um, so just keep that in mind. If, uh, if you're trying to start something new, make sure it fits within your life cycle, uh, your, it fits within your, your lifestyle and it actually allows you to establish and build those relationships. Now you might think like, here's a, this is just the first example that comes to mind, video games. You might think, oh, that's a great opportunity. But th there might not be that much downtime or opportunity to, to talk with people. Now, it could be way wrong. Um, and then the other thing is, it's, you're really only gathered together for one thing, and it might be harmed to, to spend time with people to develop quality relationships outside of that activity. And uh, you know, I'm not shutting down video games, but I'm just saying that might not be a good place to go for actually establishing relationships for sharing the gospel. While I'm on that point, let's talk about the types of friendships we're, we're talking about and suggesting here. The Lord wants us to love people, period, full stop. And that means just willing their good for their own sake. And so we have to be very careful of not having an agenda of thinking, oh, I want to enter into a relationship with this someone just so that I can share the gospel with them and check off the box. That's it needs to be very organic. We have to have this this just like uh, spring welling up within us that makes us want to share the good news of Jesus and makes us want to love people for their own sake. And we can authentically love people for a long time before we share the gospel with them. We just need to be ready to share that when the time is right. And again, be, I would be familiar with the thresholds of discipleship to recognize when people are ready to hear. And when they're not ready to hear, then you're still in trust building stage and they need to develop a sense of curiosity and openness. And you will know when that's there because they're going to start asking you questions. They will be curious and they might even be somewhat antagonistic. Uh, Sherry Waddell has some great stories about that of, a, of an atheist who was very antagonistic towards a, a Catholic coworker who was sharing the faith. And the guy always had like kind of rebuttals and was like, well, what about this? And what about that? Uh, but then uh, I think it was even years later, the man reached out and said, Hey, I wanted to let you know that I've come to, I've become Catholic and I love the Lord now. So um, don't be afraid to just love people where they are, uh, where you are. And um, that know that the Lord will give you an opportunity. He's the one who really desires for them to fall in love with him, not just you. So uh, let's continue to talk more about evangelization. So I think I've established this is for everyone. And one of the reasons for that is that um, people can be born into Catholicism. A friend of mine, he, he uh, joked with me one time, I think I said this a couple episodes ago, um, that he thought you could only be born Catholic. Um, it's true that you can be born Catholic, but no one is born into a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, he already loves us. He loves uh, loved us while we were still yet sinners. But it takes an intentional effort and invite. Like we have to, to come to know him and then make our own yes. And that's why Sherry Waddell has this great line, God has no grandchildren. Like, yeah, you can be born into the church, but you're not born into a relationship with the Lord. And that's why part of evangelization is helping people, especially our children, enter into that relationship and say yes. And so 
the, the next question I want to have is, or I want to ask is, are you there? You, my friend, we might, we might be very committed to the church. We might be fully sacramentalized. We might have received all of our sacraments. We might attend mass on a regular basis because we know it's the right thing to do. But has the Lord made himself known to you? Have you had an encounter with him? And have you said, yes, I will be your disciple? If you haven't, if you haven't yet said yes to him, I want to invite you to do that now. If you know that the Lord wants a relationship with you, I invite you to take a moment now and in your heart say, Jesus, I give everything to you. I surrender. I long to be your friend, your disciple, to follow in your footsteps and learn to love you and to love my neighbor. Whatever prayer comes to your heart, I would pause and say that right now. And if you don't know Jesus well enough right now, or you don't, you don't even have that, the, the clear conviction that you can have a personal relationship with him, then I want to just invite you right now to ask Jesus to make himself known. Say something like this, Lord Jesus, please reveal yourself to me. Make yourself known. Help me to understand that you desire a loving relationship with me and help me to say yes to you. And then give yourself an opportunity for that to happen. So go to adoration, read, read scripture, read, uh, read the, the lives of the saints. I'll go back, really read scripture, spend time deep in scripture, especially the gospel. So you're, you're face to face with Jesus. And, you know, like when, when we say yes to the Lord, it's not a once and done thing. We're going to say this, yes, countless times through our whole life. Uh, but that's going to be the foundation of what it means to be a disciple. We say yes, and then we learn how to follow him, and we continue to grow in our faith. And that's what we invite other people into. We're getting them to the point where they say to Jesus, yes. Uh, a good priest friend of mine said, it's a little bit like you are the, the maitre d' at a restaurant. And I don't know that I've ever been to a restaurant with a maitre d', but I, it's, the, it's a person who would... Uh, they would walk you from the front door to your table and they'd kind of get everything ready. They'd make sure that you were going to have a fabulous meal. And then they got out of the way and they didn't interrupt and they, they didn't intervene. Uh, and that's what, that's what we do. We just bring people to Jesus and let him do the evangelizing and let them say yes and respond wholeheartedly. So that's our call. Um, if you aren't sure, if you can have a personal relationship with the Lord. If, if you, you aren't sure if you can say yes, please email us and let's talk. Uh, we'll set up a time to talk on the phone or, or to, uh, to video call, whatever it is, but I'm positive you can get there. And, and I just want to, uh, I want to walk with you until you get there. So you can email us at being and making disciples at gmail.com. Uh, and know that we're praying for you and we care about you, and we really hope that you are able to enter into that relationship, and you can help other people enter into that relationship. And I think you'll find uh, that's what the Lord has called you to do, and you're going to love it. There's going to be nothing better than that. So thanks so much, friends. Great to be with you. Thanks for joining us for another episode. And we really appreciate all those new listeners and all the longtime listeners out there, everybody who's picked up our book. Um, it's just really, uh, really great to know that we are helping you to live out this, this mission of the church and execute that first task. So God bless you, brothers and sisters, and uh, keep us in your prayers. We will do the same for you.
Peace.